thank you, Lord, that there's an empty grave. I ask, Lord God, that you would have your hand on us today. I pray that you would help us uh, to, to understand you, to come to terms with you. That's what I pray, Lord. I, I pray for those who are here that are they're struggling. They've got, a, they've got a faith background that's got them a little confused. They might be a little angry. Definitely a little hurt. And I pray that today we'll give them a new, a new place to set their standard, a new place to set their steps. I pray that you would give amazing guidance. I pray you would draw people to you. I, I agree with the prayers that have already been prayed over this room. And I just release the power of God in this place in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, you guys can have a seat. Thank you, worship team. You guys want to, these guys are going to be Thinking about keeping them. Thinking about keeping them. I don't know for sure. So, uh, I, I, uh, I want you to know as I start here that, uh, well, a couple of things. One, I, I really I have love for you. I think even if I don't know you, I, it's just an honor to get to do what I do. And I, I love to connect with people on the level that we're about to connect on. And so I just want you to know I do care about, about you. And I'm, I'm available to talk if you, because I would probably generate some questions today. The second thing is I am going to try and create a crisis in your life this morning. So I just want to prepare that, prepare you for that. And so, um, uh, so I, I guess we're just going to get started. As Steve already pointed out, uh, the name of our church is, is Ordinary Faith. And we're talking about faith today. And um, I'm going to stir up trouble, and that'll be the us talking part. And then I'll give you a way to fix the, all the trouble. And that'll be the, the sermon part. So, uh, so you ready? Yeah. You're not, but we'll do it anyway. <laughs> do it anyway. <coughs> So, I grew up in church, uh, and then I got about 16. I remember saying to God, God, uh, I'd like to have a little fun. And he said, well, I didn't hear this until like six or seven years later. He said, okay, you try that. And I did. So at 16, I said, I'm, I'm going to do everything I'm big enough to do. And I was a pretty big boy. Uh, and a year later, I was a dad and married and uh, was terrible at it, terrible. And uh, my poor wife, I'm telling you, the things she suffered. And uh, so I was given this faith that did not translate well into my adult, young adult life. And it wasn't my pastor's fault, it wasn't my church's fault, it wasn't my Sunday school teachers and junior church leaders and BBS leaders' fault, they, they gave me a framework for faith but for a season I rejected it and then I began to realize that faith is not about rules I began to realize that a real faith a vibrant faith that can stand up against the onslaughts the attacks of life cannot be about rules because I stink in fact, if you give me a rule, I know exactly what I'm about to do with it. <laughs> Even to this day, I'm a little stubborn. The revelation that God planted ordinary faith on was that faith 
is not mystical. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. People talk about faith, and this used to really annoy me, but I've calmed down. I'm older and far more mellow. And some of you, if this is your first Sunday, you're going to go, that's mellow, Michael. Interesting. Uh, I just, I, I got so, one of the things that used to anger me, and of course that's, that's never a good sign, was that people would talk about faith like it was some kind of ambiguous cloud in the room. You've just got to have faith. My life stinks. Well, believe it stinks. We didn't know what to say. We just made it mystical. So today, we're going to talk about faith and what it means. Going to have a little bit of fun with it. Probably going to be a tad annoying with it. Um, anything that, uh, that I can do to drive this crisis that I need to, to have. So, the first part of this isn't a sermon, it's a talk. I'm going to try and sit down for a minute, but I'm not sure I can think and sit down at the same time. We'll see how it goes. Uh, plus that, my, my back's hurting a little bit, and so I'm whiny about that. You know what? A woman, when she's having a baby, she almost knows what it's like when a man has a mild cold. <laughs> so, anyway. I don't know where I got that joke from. It's, I'm sure it's not original. I'm sure it's not original. So, what, what is faith? And when we talk about faith, what do we mean? And is it this mystical thing and why do people get all misty-eyed when they talk about faith so let's just start with just an obvious reality and this isn't meant to offend but just to be honest faith is one of the most misused confused and abused terms out there people use faith they say the word faith to talk about things they don't mean nor understand and so uh, let's let's kind of put faith in context a little bit let's take it out of the mystical Take it out of the, the cloud in our minds, and let's just put a little skin on it. Let's think about faith. Let's, let's talk about it as belief for a minute. Belief. Belief is so powerful. Belief is maybe one of the most powerful things available to, to human nature. You just can't, over, uh, you can't overestimate faith. Everything that happens in the world happens because somebody believed in something. Every good thing, every bad thing, starts with a belief. Every major problem that's ever been solved happened because somebody believed it could be solved. Or they were too ignorant to know it couldn't be solved, so they just did it anyway. Mountains have been moved by believing. Mountains, uh, financial mountains, medical mountains, scientific mountains, relational mountains, athletic mountains, all have been moved by believing. Somebody believing something stronger than their unbelief. Records have been broken. Slavery ended because of a belief. Human rights mountains have ended because of someone believed something. So I just want you to see that believing is just so incredibly, it's a gift. It's a gift to mankind. It really is a gift to mankind. This nation stands here today because in the 1700s, a bunch of people believed something. And a hundred years later, that same nation was divided worse than it had been before up to date because two different groups of people believed something. Yes. Adolf Hitler just almost destroyed Europe because he believed something and he was able to get people to believe it with him. Every major headline, every major international conflict, every bit of bad news or good news all started because someone somewhere believed something. Belief is incredibly powerful. 
When we believe something's possible, we look for a way to make it possible. There's, a, there's a, an old story I read years ago. I can't put it. I tried to find out what company it was, but there was a, there was a tech company years ago that had this initiate, initiation practice for their new hires. And they would come in and they would give them an impossible problem to solve. And so these new hires would come in and they would be, by way of initiation, this impossible problem. All the higher-ups are laughing at them. You'll never solve this problem. And time and again, the problem would get solved because the new hire was too dumb to know it was impossible to solve. They believed they could fix it so, or they could solve it, so they, they did solve it. And, and it's always, this belief is powerful. It's the optimist always sells more in the company, the, the, the believer. You'll, you'll meet people all the time that are incredibly intelligent, but are just marginally successful. And you'll, you'll meet some country redneck boy and he'll build a, an empire. And he is not the intelligent, he's just too dumb to know it can't be done. And so this, I want you to, to just think about how belief empowers just belief by itself. When we believe in something, we try, we try again, we try harder, we find a way. Belief, the ability to believe, is incredibly powerful. Belief also looks for evidence to support what it believes. Confirmation bias is what psychology would call it. And all that means is, is when we believe something's true, we look for information that supports what we believe is true. Now, you're like, well, I just believe the facts. Well, people who disagree with you also feel like they believe the facts, you know? And so whatever political party you affiliate with or the ones you refuse to affiliate with, know that all of them have these beliefs. And those beliefs are powerful. Those beliefs filter out what the group doesn't want to believe. And they look for things that the group does want to believe. You can apply this to your marriage. You find a married couple that believe the best of their partner. They're going to have a great marriage. Yes. You, you find a couple that begins to doubt their partner's best interest, that their partner has the best interest, and they're going to have a terrible marriage. All based on belief. So people believe things, and belief does things. It, it manifests is the word that you use. It, that's not even a religious term. It, it, they use it in lots of different places. It begins to evidence in their life just because people believe. And then you put people who have the shared beliefs in a community, nationally, politically, professionally, cults even. You put them together and now you have everybody working together to filter out whatever doesn't fit the belief system. Now, I'm not trying to make you mad. I'm just trying to tell you, belief does this. Just believing things can begin to filter someone's life. I believe that belief is one of God's greatest gifts to mankind. I think it gets corrupted. I think it gets twisted. I think believers, regardless of what they believe, have happier, more fulfilled lives. Studies have shown that religious people in general have happier lives. I believe that finding an evolutionary explanation for belief in human nature is impossible, and I've never seen one offered. I think the opposable thumb is cool, but the fact that belief exists in humanity is a miracle. So, belief. It's a power that's available to everyone in this room and everyone in this world. Aim it in a direction, and it will take you farther than you ever dreamed. Just believing. Okay? In anything. Okay?
Now, what happens when you take belief and you pair that with religion? I really tried to paint a picture of you, the power of belief. So now you take belief and you pair that belief with religion and you have what we call religious belief. We're just applying belief to religious things. It's not rocket science. It's not mystical. Not what we're talking about at this point. And I would say bear with me, but if, if you're going to get mad, just go ahead and get mad now. We'll talk later, okay? Some people argue that, that religious belief is more than that. And I'm not going to argue with them that it's not more than that to them. But what I want you to understand is this is why a lot of people lose their faith is they come to the conclusion that belief is just part of human nature and people who are religious have aimed belief at religion and they've lost trust in that equation. Okay. They've lost trust in religion. They've lost trust. Maybe they grew up in a very, a different denominational or a religious type faith background. And maybe they have seen some inconsistencies. I do believe that the object of faith is important, but I want to come back to that. I'm just planting a seed right now, which normally not very, very good at that. So religious belief says things like, I believe that we apply it to religion. The Jews believe that Abraham left his family and went to a new place because, because God called him to. The Muslims believe, uh, as Mohammed believed, that he spoke with the angel Gabriel. Pretty soon a lot of people believed that with him. And so they had that belief. Sikhs, Buddhists, Hindus, they all have beliefs. Atheists and agnostics, agnostics it's hard word to say. No yoke, agnostics, no yoke. That was bad. That was bad. I'm real sorry. <clears throat> they believe something. And they're religious beliefs. Why? Because religious belief is any belief that's pointed at God. So an agnostic or an atheistic belief is a theology in itself. It's what you think about God. So it's a, it's a belief. So I believe that. Christians believe that Jesus is God's son. But before I turn the coin here... You believe deeply enough in anything and it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy is what I'm trying to say. Where you aim your belief is going to, it's going to matter. And Christianity is like every other religion. And a lot of folks believe that in that sense that if they, Christians have just aimed their belief at this one set of values and morals and ideas or whatever it is, it's just... And they've concluded it's just a big old Jedi mind trick. I saw Star Wars, you know, the first three that were decent. And then, uh, <coughs> sorry, just kidding. And they believe people just pick those beliefs. So is that all there is to it? And that's the question that I'm posing this morning. I mean, and, and here's why. More of you believe that that's all there is to it than will admit. People... Steve and I have had this conversation so many times that it's the reason for this series. People patchwork, quilt together a belief system from everywhere. Everywhere. I, I, I am amazed when I talk to people about spiritual realities, how many of them get their theology, what they think about spiritual things, from TV and fictional books. People's belief about God, demons, angels... All that kind of stuff 
they get from these strange places and everyone has this patchwork belief system. And they believe it's okay because that's faith. That's what I believe. What I believe is what I believe in, and that's okay. So is that it? Is that really, is that really all there is to it, man? You just, you just pick something and just believe your heart out. Pull out the journey. Be a small town girl in a lonely world. And don't stop believing. Yeah, hang on to your faith. Because that is the... Sorry. That is a common belief. That if you just pick something and believe really hard. And I think that's where... Okay, let me talk to you believers for a second. (laughs) I think that's where a lot of the fear in the church is coming from today. Is that your faith is not strong enough. You don't believe in the right, you don't believe in the truth. Your faith is patchworked together and you're afraid it won't stand. So anything that comes up that might threaten it terrifies you. Let me knock down that whole house of cards right now. Put an end to that. If belief was all you had to do, we could pray right now, sing our last song, and jet out the door. Just keep believing. Well, it matters what you aim your belief at. Yes. There's a reason that I'm a Christian. And that reason isn't because I believed hard enough. I'm telling you, I tore that out of my head personally. I did not want an illegitimate faith that was given to me by someone else. And so here we are at our starting point right now. And today is the message that we've been working to get toward for the last six weeks. This is what we hinted at in the first sermon. And today we come to a, a conclusion, a crisis, a crux that everyone has to process and deal with. And that's what I'm trying to drive today. I am trying to drive a little crisis into your life because you have to make a conscious decision. What I need you to understand is that there's a decision every person has to make. And what happens is, is that people don't make it. They just neglect it until they die. And so today I want to challenge you with a real decision that something happened. Why am I a Jesus follower? Why are there Jesus followers in this room? And let's, let's begin to think about something and let's put this in a context. I have one verse today. This will be the first sermon in my life. I only had one verse in, so write this down. And the reason is intentional because I want one thing on your mind. Jesus Christ, we have all kinds of historical evidence of his existence, of the things that he taught, the things that he did. But here's what you need to know. Jesus Christ came and he taught a a new belief system. It was rooted in an old belief system, but he taught a new belief system. And that belief system was 100% anchored in who he was and in him being alive. That's right. He had to be alive for his religious system, for his kingdom laws and all the things that he was teaching to, to, to be a reality. Okay, So everything Jesus taught 
was dependent upon Jesus being alive. Okay, okay? do you understand that? Say, Jesus, everything Jesus taught was dependent on him being alive. Say, alive. Alive. Okay, here's the problem. On a certain Friday, he was dead. Yeah. On Friday, that Jesus died. No one, and I mean no one, believed in Jesus. That's right. Not even his own mama believed that Jesus was who he said he was on Friday. Mm -hmm. Because everything Jesus taught was dependent upon Jesus being alive. You see, we want to talk about a starting point. You want to wrestle with whether or not Christianity is the right way to go or not. And here's what you do. I know how to, we put up, we love to put up these red herring arguments. And, and people present to us the, the core truth of Christianity. And we're like, well, I can't deal with the core truth. So let me just attack peripherals. How can we trust the Bible that didn't come along until 300 years later and was put together by mere men? How can we trust the story of the Bible, creation, the flood, and all these kind of things when science argues with those things? And on and on these questions go, and I'm sure they've floated up in many of your small groups throughout this session. And you're talking about these things, and people are like, but what about this, but what about this, but what about this? And here's what I'm saying. Right now, forget about all that stuff, because all that stuff is actually, it's peripheral to the core issue. And here's the core issue. Jesus Christ, for three and a half years, taught a system of thinking, a belief system, that when he taught it, it was 100% dependent upon him being alive. And on Friday, he was dead. Do you see the problem? You see, any other faith, when Muhammad died... They didn't lose their faith because Muhammad did not teach a system of beliefs that were dependent on him being alive. That's right. When a Dalai Lama passes away or a Buddha, when they are in, their, in their, those belief systems, they don't lose their faith because they don't teach systems of beliefs that are dependent upon that person being alive. Jesus did. Christianity should have been over on Friday. You should have never, there shouldn't be anyone in the planet that was a Christian after Friday. Yeah. No one was going to... There was no way to take Jesus' teachings and start a religion from them because Jesus' teachings were dependent upon Jesus being alive. You, do you get this? Can you give me a nod? Yeah. Michael, you're really driving this thing on. I know. <laughs> I need you to get how serious the situation was. Because until you understand how serious the situation is, you're never going to understand how big the miracle was. And you'll never understand why people believe in Jesus and why Jesus is so much more than a belief. He's an encounter, but that's for a later lesson. All the disciples on Friday believed Jesus was a powerful speaker, but they didn't believe he was who he said he was. On Friday, everyone believed that no one believed Jesus was the Messiah. No one believed he was the Son of God. And they did believe that all of their lives were in jeopardy because Jesus was dead. What I want you to understand is that all of Jesus' followers believed wholeheartedly, 100%, that Jesus was dead. You've got, you've got to understand this. Okay. They ran away. Peter denied Jesus three times. 
John ran away almost naked. Just love saying naked in church. <laughs> Jesus' teaching depended on Jesus being alive, but something happened. Because 50 days later, Peter, who denied Jesus three times, and John, who ran away and hid, they walked out of some little room they were praying in, and they walked through the city of Jerusalem, and they began telling people about Jesus. They didn't go out and begin to tell people Jesus' teachings. That's interesting. They didn't go out and re-preach the Sermon on the Mount. They didn't go out and re-preach the Sermon on the Plain. They didn't go out and begin to declare the parables that Jesus Christ taught on that day. They did not expand upon, they did not present Jesus' teachings at all. What they presented was a very simple message. And here's the outline, four points. You killed him. God raised him. We saw him. Now say you're sorry. That's the Acts 2 message in a nutshell. Do you see the power of a reality that you go from 11 unbelieving disciples to 2,000 years later, billions of Jesus followers on the planet. It could not have happened unless Jesus did exactly what he said he was going to do. Yeah. This is why this is the starting point. This isn't Christianity 101. This is like a kindergarten learning to take a nap 101. This is about resting in a place, finding a place where my faith can actually start. You see that argument you're having with all the peripherals of the faith, the Bible, the church. Christian, you guys who are believers, hey, you don't have to defend the Bible or the church. They got it. They got that. You, you don't have to worry about it. What, what, the only thing that anyone, the starting point for every person is not whether or not the Bible's true or whether or not the church is, is, is right. The starting point is, did Jesus Christ rise from the dead? Amen. That's where this starts. This is the most important thing that everyone has to wrap their heads around. That's exactly what Paul did in, with the Athenians that we talked about in the first week. In Acts 17, Paul's standing before the Athenians and he's not presenting to them a belief system that's superior to their belief systems. And there were several in that audience. He wasn't presenting a belief system. He was standing up before them. And in Acts 17, 31, he says of God that he set a day for judging the world with justice by the man he has appointed. And he proved to everyone who this is by raising him from the dead. This is the hinge point of Christianity. This is, this is the starting point. This is what you have to decide about. Now, here's the problem. A lot of people will not decide. A lot of people will think, well, you know, I don't know if Jesus rose from the dead or not. I'll go to church. I'll try the religious thing just in case. You know, I'll go on Easter, Christmas, try and get my bases covered. If Jesus rose from the dead, say rose from the dead. Rose from the dead. 
If Jesus rose from the dead and you're not following him, you have a major problem. That's right. Major. What do I mean? Because if Jesus rose from the dead, it would seem to indicate that everything he said was true. Yes. And if everything Jesus said was true, then that changes every perspective and viewpoint of every life in this room. That's right. This changes everything. And so this is the hinge point for the Christian faith. And I'll tell you something that just drives me just really, I don't know if infuriates me is the right word, but just really winds me up. No other faith makes this kind of claim. That's right. There is no faith that says, hey man, our leader rose from the dead. <laughs> Michael, that's rude to say it that way. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm doing that to drive a crisis. This is the claim of Jesus. This is the claim of Christianity. That's right. This is what you have to make a decision about. Now, would I love for you to make that decision today? You know it. I would love that. And I'm going to ask for that. But here's what I need you to understand. Make no mistake about it. You have to decide. Did Jesus Christ rise from the dead? If you decide that he did, that has to change your life. You either submit to it and surrender to him or you reject it. And I'll be honest with you. I, I, my heart is I want every person to meet Jesus possible. But there's nothing I can do to, to make you make a decision. I can't make you set your feet on the solid, that solid truth and that reality. So, I mean, I'm here. As long as you want to talk about it, I'm in this. I'll give you my personal cell phone number right now. 371-4853. You call him 371-GULF. Like gulf between his ears. G-U-L-F. <laughs> you call me, we'll talk. But you have to, please, make a conscious decision. Don't just leave here today and go, well, okay, I don't know. And just carry on with blissful ignorance. I know ignorance is bliss. I'm a dad. You know what that means, right? Man, that room is probably, they're, they're really quiet down there. It's probably really bad. But I, I'm not going to go check. Maybe, maybe my wife will go check. Don't choose blissful ignorance. That's right. Decide. Is Jesus who he said he is? And that's where our question began. Who is Jesus? We started with Jesus Christ. And so answer that question. Who is, who is, is he who says he is? If he is. If you decide he is. So this has been a long series. I can't re-preach the whole series to encapsulate today. But in session two, we talked about the idea of being a mistaker or being a sinner. If Jesus is who he says he is, then it's time for me to... To work on the problem of why I'm such a goof up. And why I keep getting things wrong. And why that not only do I make mistakes, but I make mistakes that hurt people and cause damage. And maybe the situation is worse than being a mistaker. Maybe the situation is that I'm a sinner. I don't like that word, Michael. I don't like that. 
You got a better word to describe the fact that we not only make mistakes, but we make them on purpose? I don't have a better word. And so if you decide that Jesus is who he says he is, then it's time for you to take those sins and go to God with them and confess them. What's that mean? Confess. Why go in court? Actually, we are. It's the heavenly thing. But let's, let's explain it this way. The word confess comes from a word in the New Testament that means to say the same thing. It means to agree with the judgment that has been passed. And God says that sin is killing you. God says that your mistakes are bringing death in your life in every way possible. Death to relationships, death in your thinking, death in your abundance, and eventually your body will die because of it. And so God says, I need you to agree with me that they about the condemnation of all this sin in your life. That's why the disciples said, hey, you killed him. God raised him. We saw him. Say so you're sorry. That's the beginning of faith. It's pretty simple. Not rocket science. It's, it's God, I'm sorry. I've made a lot worse than mistakes. I, I don't like this word sinner, but I don't know what else to use. And so God, I'm a sinner. And I ask you, to forgive me, and I trust you. Because in the third and fourth sermon, we talked about this thing called trust. We talked about how God showed up, and, and God began to clean up the mess that Adam had made in the world, and he began to pursue Abraham, and he pursued Isaac, and Jacob, and Joseph, and on it went. Because God cares about you. God loves you. God simply asks that you trust him. To take care of this. And so this is how the journey begins. You step forward and say, I'm a mess. I'm a sinner. I agree with you, God. And I trust you. Any God who would put his son on a cross in my place, put his son where to suffer the crimes I deserve to pay for, and then raise that son from the dead, that's a God worthy, worthy of knowing. That's right. Amen. Amen. So, can I get the worship team to come up? Sorry, I had a slide issue that threw me off. I'm about to sing a song. The worship team and I are about to sing a song together. Here's the crisis. Are you going to ask God for forgiveness and trust Him? Are you going to believe that Jesus is exactly who He says He is? And are you going to trust Him and confess and agree and trust and start a new life? Start a new way of living. Not a, not a way of living that's just going to church and adding something to your schedule. But a relationship with a loving God who wants to know you, wants you to know Him, wants to walk with you, wants to help you with the tough stuff and hold you to the hard stuff. It's going to sing. I want you to think about that while we're singing. 
And uh, there'll be more instruction coming. Carried 
invite you to do something.